Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through to 46. Just a few verses this morning, not a long reading. There was a, uh, a little Aussie entrepreneur, a little fellow that was wanting to do whatever it took to get himself a hundred bucks. His mum and dad would give him a bit of pocket money. It was only a couple of dollars and he'd spend it all. Well, he was an entrepreneurial kind of guy and he wanted his first hundred dollars. He prayed to God, God, give me a hundred dollars. It turned out he found it incredibly hard to save up and he, so he prayed to God. God didn't come through. God, uh, God didn't give him a hundred dollars. And so after a couple of weeks, he decided to write God a letter, a strongly worded letter. His prayers weren't working, so I'm going to write God a letter. So he wrote out a letter to God asking for his first $100 and popped it in the mailbox and sent it off. Well, of course, Australia Post didn't know what to do with this request. Australia Post wasn't sure who should they, who should they be giving letters addressed to God to. So they, they thought, well, the next best thing would be the Prime Minister. So they laid it on the Prime Minister's desk, and, uh, and the Prime Minister was impressed with this young fellow's well, his entrepreneurial spirit, his, his mojo. They were very impressed with his rambunctiousness, with his precociousness, with his ambition. I wanted to give a young Aussie a go. So the Prime Minister took out a fiver out of his own wallet and uh, sent it off to Treasury and sent to the Treasury Department, hey, listen, send this guy his first $5 to give him a start. Hey, we'll, we'll send it back, we'll give him a go. And so uh, sure enough, uh, Treasury made out a money order, sent it back to the child saying, here's $5. The young child received the $5, but he decided to write back to God. And he said, Heavenly Father, you know, I've asked for my first $100, and I see that you've replied and, and, uh, and, and replied and, 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 and sent me some money. But for some reason, I saw that you sent it via Canberra. And as usual, those jerks are deducted 95%. <laughs> Please give me the rest of the 95%, because I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make my first $100. Doing whatever it takes is our is our theme this morning, not being put off, not being perturbed, doing whatever it takes to find what is truly precious to you, hopefully, of course, be a lot more than simply money. Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 46 says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went out and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything that he had and bought it. Church, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we indeed ask that you might bring this scripture to light. We pray that you might challenge us this morning. We pray that you might move us out of our comfortable churchy environment, our comfortable Western mindsets, our comfortable consumer mindsets. You might spur us on to indeed do whatever it takes to lay hold of your kingdom with both hands in this life and the next. In Jesus' name, the people said, Amen and Amen. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is Jesus' primary message. If you want to ask, uh, if you want even to ask you, what is Jesus on about? You might say in a word, in a sentence, it is all about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. That was what he was always on about. He would start off his parables or his stories and say, the kingdom of heaven is like or the kingdom of God is, is like and then give us an insight into, what, into the nature of, of God and, and, and his kingdom. It's, uh, the kingdom of God is wherever God's rule breaks into the world, wherever 
God's will is done. That is where his kingdom manifests itself. It is more than simply the church, although the church is most certainly part of God's kingdom, at least where it is indeed doing God's will. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is more than just heaven. It's more than just pie in the sky when we die. Although our heavenly eternal home is certainly, of course, part of, of God's kingdom as well. It is, it is wherever God's will is done, wherever he holds sway in this world and indeed the heavenlies, that, that is where God's kingdom resides. It is where it is made manifest. Of course, God's kingdom is most particularly, most keenly, most acutely made manifest in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. He would walk around, he would teach that the kingdom of heaven has drawn near. When Jesus drew near, the kingdom of heaven drew near. He would say the kingdom of God is at hand. It is most acutely seen at the cross of Christ in his life, but also in particular his death and resurrection. In his death and resurrection, he paid the price. He washed us whiter than the snow as we, as we sung early to bring us into perfect communion with our Heavenly Father, to make the kingdom of heaven available to you and I, praise God. And he would tell parables about what the kingdom of heaven was like, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, everyday things that give us a glimpse just a glance of what, of what God is like. And in today's little twin parables, he says, well, the kingdom of heaven is like, a, it's like buried treasure. Someone stumbles upon it, covers it back up, goes away, sells everything he has in order to purchase that field and to own it for himself. Or similarly, it's like a, a merchant looking for fine pearls. He finds one of incredible beauty and sells everything, does whatever it takes to lay hold of that for himself. Now, some of you might be wondering about the ethics of this fellow in particular who stumbles across the buried treasure in the field, right? He's perhaps a, a workman working the paddock, uh, ploughing the field and hits something, uncovers it and finds treasure. And he goes away, covers it back up. He can't just take it for himself. You see, that would have been considered stealing, would have been considered theft. Whatever was buried in a person's paddock or in his field belonged to the owner of that land. But he then goes away, sells everything he has, and says to the owner of that paddock, hey, listen, you know that rocky, useless old bit of dirt out there? How much do you want for it? Now, some of us might be wondering about the business ethics of this fellow, but I want you to, to consider that Jesus, this is Jesus' way of deliberately building in some some ambiguity into the story. It's actually, I think, a, an asset to the story because Jesus isn't actually calling us to pay attention to the business ethics of this fellow. As, that the point of the story isn't how it came to be. It's simply the fact that this man was willing to do whatever it took to lay claim to this treasure for himself. He was willing to sacrifice whatever it took in order to own that for himself. So Jesus is pointing us to these people and saying, be like that. Be like these fellows who are prepared to do anything, to do whatever it takes to lay claim of that which is most precious, that which is of immeasurable value. He's pointing us towards these people and saying, hey, listen, be like these fellows who recognize that all the things of this world are not worth comparing to the treasure that is entering into the kingdom of God, entering into the kingdom of God. Of, of heaven. It's a little bit scary. You might even say it's a little bit reckless to go and sell everything that you own. I think when we're young and we're thinking about buried treasure, I loved Treasure Island growing up. I loved Indiana Jones, these treasure hunters. But then as you get a little bit wealth, 
a little bit more respectable and you become uh, a minister of the word. Thank you very much. Uh, some of us get a little bit more worried about, well, does my denomination offer a suitable uh, superannuation plan? I, uh, I read a story this week about actually an Anglican minister who uh, was out wanting to purchase a, a motorcycle. For some reason, ministers, I don't know what it is, but there seems to be a high proportion of ministers riding bikes in the general population, probably a PhD in that somewhere. Anyway, he was walking to buy a motorcycle and the salesman said, not knowing who he was, oh, listen, this thing will do naught to 104 seconds flat, corners like it's on rails, you're going to love riding this baby, it's, it's, it's absolutely the best fun you can ever have, it's, it's magnificent. After chatting for a while, he asked, now what do you do for a living? And uh, the guy said, well, I'm an Anglican minister. The salesman's tone changed and said, this is the safest motorbike you're ever going to <laughs> Happens to me all the time. What do you do for a living, Pete? Oh, oh, sorry. I think this is the challenge for all of us. After a while, for those of us who have been in church for a number of years, the challenge is the fire goes perhaps out of our belly and we like the safety, we like the comfort. We like being a part of a church family like our own here at Church in the Marketplace with our friends, people who know us and who love us and, and who serve us. And perhaps the challenge is that we actually get a little bit too comfortable and we're not actually prepared to risk it all. We actually like hanging on to what we've got because surely a part of this story, the big challenge of this story is the acknowledgement that some things are going to have to go. Some things are going to have to be jettisoned, particularly if wealthy Westerners like you and I, we've got a whole bunch of other stuff. It can be hard to actually recognize the kingdom even when we find it. Like Jesus telling the story of the rich young ruler, trying to sort of keep all the stuff of this world, trying to pick up the king. Get, it's, it's, it's bound to end in tears. You can't hang on to the things of this world and be committed to the cause of Christ. Some things are going to have to go. If, if you're a, a family person, you're going to be committed to your God and, and to your church and, and, and to your family. If you're a working person, you're going to be committed to providing for your family. There's not going to be a lot of time left over for water skiing, if that's your thing. You're going to have to let some things go. You're going to have to make some sacrifices. Let me ask you this morning, are you prepared to make those sacrifices? What in your life needs to go? What in your life needs to be jettisoned in order to lay claim to this immeasurable treasure for yourself? What needs to go? Would I even recognise the treasure if I found it? Some Aussies today, I think, they might have heard a Sunday school story. They might have attended scripture at Waverley Public School, perhaps. But over the years, like an old friend that you don't even recognise as your pastor on the street, they don't really even recognise Jesus any longer. They don't really hear his call any longer because they're just encrusted and weighed down by the things of, of this life. It's a challenge for all of us in the church. It's a challenge for all of us, I think, in, let's be honest, the mainstream churches like our own. The Pentecostal guys, I think, actually get it a little bit more than we do, who don't have beautiful buildings that have to mortgage their own home to, to start a church. I have to tell you, I never had to do that to be a minister. I got paid to study theology when I was at college. It's a risk. Are we still prepared as a church to step out and to take some risks? 
I got to say, church, in conclusion, that I am proud of the risks that we take as a church family. I'm proud to be part of a church that, for example, is prepared to risk spending $35,000 on widows in, in India simply to provide them with housing. I'm proud to be part of a church that is prepared to jettison and to let go some of my own comfort, to, to care for one another day after day, week after week, year after year, even if, let's be honest, some of us aren't particularly lovable from week to week, from year to year. Some of us actually do this stuff, and it's costly. It's costly when we'd much rather be at home with a cup of tea and a biscuit. We'd perhaps rather be out in the surf or on the going for a bushwalk. It is sometimes hard to be church. It is costly to do this thing that we call church. It's costly to give up your time to be here this morning on a Sunday when the rest of the world is out in the cafes and doing their favourite bushwalk this morning. So can I ask you to indeed count the cost? Jesus was very clear about what it would mean to follow him. If you've been here over the recent weeks and months, you know Jesus was very clear about the cost. He was upfront about the cost of following him, about the cost of discipleship, of laying claim to this treasure, this pearl of great price for yourself. He said you can expect beatings floggings, betrayal by your own family and jail time and, and perhaps even worse. But I think what this parable says to us very simply this morning is that all of that is worth it. No sacrifice is too great. Nothing in this world can compare to the magnificence of entering into life eternal, life abundant, resurrection life in this life and the next, by making Jesus Christ himself your treasure. Can I encourage you to take hold of him with both hands for yourself today. Risk everything you have today to make sure that you know him, that you're a part of his kingdom, his rule, his dominion. You have yielded your life. You have surrendered your life over to him. That's what the members of our church family did this morning, the new members. They, they celebrated their baptism where they died to self and decided to, to live for Christ. Can I also leave you with a challenge to know that, in fact, Jesus sacrificed everything for you, didn't he? Jesus laid down his life. He left his heavenly hand. He was in perfect communion with the Father. He didn't have to come down here. He was in perfect communion with the heavenly Father, but came on a great missionary journey to reach out to you and I, to bring you and I into perfect communion, into perfect fellowship with our Heavenly Father. He died in order that we might live. He made the greatest sacrifice of all to bring you and I into God's kingdom. There's an old hymn written by, it comes from of Indian extraction. It names the pearl of great price, the treasure of heaven. It is yours, it is mine, oh, 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 lavishly given. The pearl of great price and the treasure of heaven. Make this Jesus yours today and live abundantly in this life and the next. Amen? Let's pray. Yes, loving Lord, we pray for your help in doing whatever it takes. Because the challenge, the threat, the temptation is to become comfortable. To defang the line of Judah. To tame the line of Judah. Make him a tame house pet that we bring out whenever it is convenient for us. 
Help us to see that life spent following Jesus is a great adventure that is worth sacrificing everything to find. Help us this week to commit everything that we have to following you, Lord, to make this kingdom our own and thereby to truly live in this life and the next. Amen.